From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Sometimes as patients, we face medical decisions, and even if we have a great doctor whom we trust, we can make better decisions if we're better informed. That's where the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute comes in. We have with us in the studio today Dr. Joe Selby, who's the executive director of the Institute. With him is Dr. Sharon Brangman. She's the chair of the new Department of Geriatrics at Upstate, and she's also involved in some patient and caregiver-based research as well. Welcome to you both. Thanks for being here. Really nice to be here. I'd like to start by asking you, Dr. Selby, what sort of work does the, and you call it PCORI, Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, what kind of uh, research do you do? Well, PCORI funds research uh, that comes to us because patients or clinicians or, let's say, healthcare delivery systems or, let's say, health plans have a question that, despite all the research that's been done up to this point in time, uh, does the information available to them uh, doesn't help them with the choice or decision they need to make. So any person who practices medicine makes decisions on a daily basis um, and at the same time realizes that they wish they had more information. So sometimes it's as simple as what would really be the right dose of a medication? Or mm. how long do I have to take this medication? What's that? Do I, you remember, just as a simple example, 15 or 20 years ago, we were treating people with a ur- common urinary tract infection for 10 days. Mm. And now I think it's one day, two days, Dr. Brangman? Yes. Um, so um, there's all manner of questions. And sometimes it can be, it can be as serious as should I have surgery for this condition or would medical therapy be more uh, better for me sometimes it's how do we organize care would a care coordinator or another patient with the same condition help me make my decisions uh, in dr brangman's area of uh, of uh, geriatrics um, we have a lot of research funded precisely in that kind of area in decision making around complicated decisions uh, in complicated illnesses and the patient-centered part of your name, um, this is you choose projects that really affect and, and are sort of from the patient's point of view, things that would help or that a patient would come up with. That's, that's right, a patient. But we always say that um, we want the physician or the patient's clinician and their caregiver, if their mother or their daughter mm-hmm. or their father or son are looking after them, we want those people to be very involved too. But but what we like to say is that, you know, if the National Institutes of Health are a science-driven organization, so most of their insights come from, and most of their new directions come from science, we take our direction originally from the patients and the end users of that oh, research. Okay. Then we apply scientific methods to them, but um, we are... Um, if I can just use the phrase, stakeholder-driven. Okay. So the research that you do, do you write it up like a, a researcher would write up a paper on some scientific topic? Well, it's, and... it's those same researchers that are writing it up. If I, if okay. Pecori would fund Dr. Brangman to do a study, then she would be writing up. the. Okay. Uh, and, and it's that way across the country. And it may so be published in a journal or, or whatever it's, afterward. It's always okay. publi- almost always published in a journal. So uh, in what way does research that's guided by patients and caregivers, um, how does that produce better results? Because we haven't had this before. Okay. Um, 
So have you heard the the phrase, more research is needed? That's It's, it's a little joke in science, yes. and, and uh, even in, in uh, journalism, it's often said. And I don't mean to say that in PCORI, uh, we don't still say more research is needed, but our goal is to have research that actually guides the decision. So when somebody applies for our money, we say, tell us which decision this is going to serve, and tell us how you'd implement it depending on how it comes out. So we believe that our research will be um, more apt to change practice. And in fact, the legislation that created us, part of the Affordable Care Act, by the way, um, tells us that when we're reevaluated and Congress decides if we're going to continue, they're going to want to see whether we changed practice. Mm. So we build that right into the solicitation. And, and let me just say one other way in which we're different and what this kind of research looks like. We are much more apt to look at multiple outcomes. So a study always has outcomes. Did this make this outcome better or worse? Did more people live versus die? Did more people have a, um, a heart attack or a stroke? Or did fewer people? Those are the outcomes. So mm -hmm. we will, in any one study, we will have multiple outcomes. So we will ask about life and death, if that's relevant. We will ask about heart attacks and strokes, certainly hospitalizations, yes. But we will also be inclined to ask about the patient's quality of life or the, the subjects in the study, their quality of life, their symptoms, how they felt, what were they able to do, and what we actually use patients in every study to tell us what the important outcomes are in this question. Um, so, you know, when we've talked when we've uh, talked about research in the past, you heard the the word research subjects, but your patients and caregivers are it doesn't sound like they're subjects in what you're well, doing. The, so, patients in in our world are subjects. Oftentimes, oftentimes the subjects of the research are patients, but patients are there in the study in other ways too. Patients are part of the research team. They are investigators. They are on advisory panels. Um, they're there from the very beginning, helping to plan the study. They stick with the research team throughout the study. And then, very nicely, when it comes time to spread the word about the study, they're there to help. They're there to the help yeah. amplify that. Okay. Well, I want to ask you some more about some of the things that you have underway now, but I also wanted to ask Dr. Brangman um, about some local efforts that you're involved in that are similar, that go in hand in hand, right? So as Dr. Selby mentioned, this is a very patient-focused type of research, and um, many researchers come up with an idea. They sit in a room and meet with other researchers, and then they go out to the public to try to get them to sign up for the study, and this really turns that all around. So we were fortunate when we were developing our study team is that we uh, connected with a group here in Syracuse called FOCUS, FOCUS Greater Syracuse, which has already had a reputation of citizen engagement around a number of subjects. Right. So we started to hold a series of community conversations to try to get an idea from people out in the public what were their concerns in terms of, in my case, uh, care as you got older. What were some of the issues? And we talked to uh, patients and caregivers. We talked to different health care providers and agencies. And after a series of conversations, we started to narrow down the kind of questions that they came up with and concerns. And as Dr. Selby mentioned, 
quality of life was a big issue from the beginning. So um, sometimes kind of facetiously you might hear, well, the patient, the patient died, but the study was a success. Right. And that is really not the goal here because we want to make sure that we're enhancing lives, we're helping people feel better, and we don't want somebody to have a bad outcome just because we thought up a great idea. So with this type of research, we have the ability to engage the average person in the beginning of the study. They are, as Dr. Selby mentioned, a member of the team. And so they met with us. We had to help them feel comfortable in that setting because most people, when they are with doctors, they, they may not want to speak up. We had to be very careful that the doctors weren't using all the jargon and the medical terms and that um, our, our families and patients felt comfortable speaking. And we were able to engage around a series of issues about um, aging at home. So people are wanting to age and be able to live at home longer. So people are uh, interested in avoiding those crises, you know, those things that happen when you lose control of the ability to make decisions that you might ordinarily make if you had a chance to plan. And they weren't necessarily interested in length of life. They wanted quality of life. And they wanted to be able to make decisions with their healthcare team instead of someone telling them what they should do. So we took all of this information, and from that, we started to formulate some of our research questions. Interesting. It doesn't sound like that. Uh, those issues surprise you, though. You've no, probably no. seen that I, in your well, practice. Well, geriatrics, I think, has always had that patient-centered focus. And we've always involved the family. There's very few people who come to my office on their own. Most of them come with either a spouse or an adult child or someone. And so we are used to getting input from more people than just the patient to try to help maintain a quality of life. And in geriatrics, we know we have a lot of complex patients. They have a lot of medical problems. They're not going away. But we help people live the best they can with those problems. Well, you're listening to Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Dr. Sharon Brangman, the chair of the new Department of Geriatrics at Upstate, and also Dr. Joe Selby, the first executive director of the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute, who's at Upstate um, to give a lecture and agreed to spend some time with us. Um, So, Dr. Selby, I wanted to ask more about some of the projects you have underway now. Can you tell us um, what you're looking at and how you decide what to look at? Well, it won't uh, surprise you to hear that we involve patients. And let me just say patients and other stakeholders, because we really think it's most exciting when you get in the room, the patients, a group of clinicians, maybe somebody from a health insurance plan or two. Uh, If it involves drugs, it's even good to have somebody from the manufacturers in the room. So if all of those people can agree on the question, on the right question, it's much more likely that you have actually gotten to the right question. Let me tell you, getting to the right research question is difficult, and research is not cheap. So it's it's makes me, as the director of a funding agency, feel much better to know that um, that there's agreement on this research question going in. So that's the way you'll see us do it. We will hold workshops of all kinds. Uh, We also work a lot with organizations, patient organizations, clinician organizations, payer organizations. 
um, employer organizations, but we really like to um, uh, get a consensus. We've funded about $2.1 billion worth of research over the last, uh, going on eight years now. And uh, it, we cover everything from, uh, you know, skin conditions to end of life care, you, you, you name mm. it, prenatal care, a lot in pediatrics, a lot in pediatric obesity, but really uh, a very large amount. I think probably about 28 or 30% of our entire give is in the area of aging. One of our largest and first projects was a very large project on preventing falls in the elderly. And it involved several of the leading geriatricians in the country. And the study's been going on for about five years. It's wrapping up now. And we're very interested to see whether uh, bringing nurse practitioners in in a new way to work with doctors' practices and with the patients in them can help people live, just as Dr. Brangman said, independently and not fall. Um, so that's very important. We have a lot of uh, work on transitions in care. So how you manage that dangerous gap between the hospital and home so that people don't wind up having to come back to the hospital. We have a lot of work around so-called palliative care. So um, complex advanced disease, not necessarily the end of life, but where it's really important to concentrate on well-being, on relief of symptoms. We have a lot of work in that area. We have quite a bit of work on how you actually work with patients to express how they'd like to be treated, so-called uh, advanced directives. So, Interesting. So, and a lot of work on patients in nursing homes and, and how one can um, uh, improve decision-making in nursing homes. You know, one of the big dilemmas in nursing homes is whether a person should go to the hospital when they get a little fever or a urinary tract infection or not eating or you name it. So um, probably ways to improve decision-making in those settings. So that's, that's just the... Well, let me ask you real quick uh, before we have to go. If a listener is listening in on this and has an idea for um, a, a question that needs to be answered in healthcare, is there a way for them to get involved? They can go to pacori.org, and uh, there is a place to submit questions there. I, okay. I would encourage listeners who are interested uh, to take a look at our website. It now has the results of a hundred, over a hundred now studies that have been completed and. Results reported out. You can search them by topic. It's very, very good uh, to know. So P-C-O-R-I dot O-R-G. Exactly. Wonderful. Well, thank you both for being here. I appreciate it. Um, very good information. My guests have been Dr. Sharon Brangman, the chair of the Department of Geriatrics, and Dr. Joe Selby from the Patient-Centered Outcomes Research Institute. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.